On today's edition of the Bellator Christie podcast, we talk about t- six ways that your prayers may be hindered. Crucified, crucified. The new man's gonna make it, but the old man's gotta die. Take it off my You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while entering the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host for our time together, yours truly, Brian Chilton. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us on today's podcast, and uh, just want to remind you that the Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of uh, bellatorchristie.com. We do encourage you to go to the website. And while you're there, uh, be sure to click subscribe. Uh, This podcast is available on several different apps, including iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. So you can uh, take uh, Bellator Christie with you on the go, wherever you may be. Uh, Today, I have uh, introduced uh, the uh, podcast with a theme from SWAT and the new CBS uh, show. I personally love that show. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite uh, current uh, television shows. Uh, on my wife is a big fan of Criminal Minds, and she hasn't got in, gotten into it because of uh, Shamar Moore. Uh, he used to play on Criminal Minds, and of course he uh, went over to SWAT, and so she said she can't get into it because she feels as if uh, she doesn't. It's weird seeing Shamar Moore on the new television show, so uh, be that as it may. Um, but we do want to welcome you to the podcast today. I want to uh, talk about a couple of things, and uh, one uh, very briefly, and then get into uh, the main topic for today. Uh, we want to talk about, actually, all this kind of coincides uh, together, so um, I, I, I think it, it's all going to gel, hopefully gel well uh, on the podcast today. Uh, it, this probably won't be a long podcast, but of course, of course, um, I'm notoriously known for saying that, and it turns out being longer than I intended. But uh, do I'm in the midst of some uh, work on my PhD as far as uh, paperwork, so I'm actually up to my neck in paperwork, and I, I've got to get uh, started and get going. So, um, but anyhow, uh, that notwithstanding, so I'm going to try to keep it brief uh, as I can. Wanted to talk about uh, first and foremost. A problem, or really not necessarily a problem, a concern, 
I have with the modern American church. And, um, you know, the church is growing globally. Uh, it's growing in Africa. It's growing in places in Asia. Even in the Middle East, the church is growing. Um, South America, the church is growing. But uh, the United States church is, is facing some severe issues in, uh, in recent uh, days, in recent years. I, as I was uh, up at the um, uh, intensive at Liberty, uh, Dr. Habermas informed us of the latest news to, to be released by the Houston Chronicle, uh, which states that uh, within, I think, maybe 20 years, if I'm not mistaken, that there have been somewhere upwards of 700 cases of sexual abuse, 700 cases. Now, I know for those who are conservatively minded, the, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, this is some type of media scandal trying to give the church a black eye. Um, however, I, I think we do ourselves a disservice by doing that. Yes, this is a politically saturated environment. I, I understand that. Ever since the last election, it seems like uh, the last presidential election, that is, it seems like everybody has been on edge concerning politics. Uh, at least in my life, I don't remember a time that has been this volatile uh, when when speaking of politics. I mean, because you have individuals on both sides. In fact, that's what the last SWAT show uh, was about, was talking about the, the, the hostility that people have towards one another, even when not, when, when not agreeing on certain issues, the great hostility people have towards one another. And I'll be the first to admit that, that at times I've been that way. Um, I think that we all have, if we're honest, that's why I like the Incredible Hulk. I think it's not only a, a fun comic book character, but I think it's also a commentary on our whether intentional or unintentional it's a commentary on the human on human nature that we all have that inner beast within us just waiting to come out and you know, as bruce banner tries to subdue that hulk figure uh within himself it comes out sometimes and and i think sometimes for good sometimes for bad sometimes we do need to take a stand uh in certain issues but we need to watch how we approach certain issues and certain things uh, because it's very possible to win an argument but lose the debate. And just we need to remember that as apologists, uh, as philosophers, as theologians, that it's, it is possible to win an argument but lose the debate. So I, I'm concerned with the Southern Baptist Convention. I think there are, um, by the way, the 700 individuals, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, this was within the Southern Baptist Convention. Some of them had dealings with uh, pastors, youth ministers, church workers, volunteers. Uh, some, there were some even involved in higher-ups in the SBC life with former presidents, vice presidents, and uh, individuals involved in... in, in um, in, in the national organization. So we have some work to do, folks. We, we, need, to, we, we, we need to hold ourselves accountable. One of the issues that concerns me is, is I have some people with whom I greatly respect. They, they're quick to shut this down and say, well, this is, just a, this is just a political scandal. Here's the thing. Even if one of the cases of all 700 individuals who came forward, even if one is true, then that's one too many. And that's the way I look at it. So we must take this seriously. And uh, we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to evaluate our ministries. We need to evaluate maybe even the way we do church sometimes. Um, 
to to strengthen these um, to strengthen ourselves and actually as bad as this is maybe come out better but we have other denominations there's another denomination that whom I hold dear uh, that uh, very near and dear to my heart that is that is going to have something going on this weekend that could potentially split the denomination in two over a controversial issue that they deem is uh, worthy of possibly splitting the denomination. And um, there are some conservative groups, I think, that uh, some conservative denominations uh, out there that uh, the conservative churches can join. Uh, the Wesleyan Church would be one. I heard of another one called the um, uh, Anglican Church of North America is one that, that some of the conservative churches may gravitate towards. I don't know. Uh, of course, there's there's a lot of things in the air as to what's going to happen, but the general consensus is that uh, the the vote is going to lend itself towards a uh, controversial decision that will most likely bring a split in this particular denomination. So our prayers are with the individuals in the denomination, and um, you know, it's, this is just the status of the church in America today. A lot of times, I think we do succumb to political pressures. I think we succumb to we we give up our convictions easily. Now, listen, we need to love everybody, and we, we need to emphasize that we need to love every person we encounter. That's a biblical command. That didn't come from Brian Chilton. That came from Jesus Christ. And um, but he, Jesus says, "By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another." And if we don't have that love for one another, then then it doesn't matter what we do. Uh, it's as Paul says in First Corinthians thirteen, they all just become noisy gongs and cymbals. Uh, they're they're not a worth anything, quite frankly. But so we have to have love for our fellow neighbor, we, our fellow man. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we give up our biblical convictions and um i don't know this is just a strange time in which we live um and i just don't know how viable i hate even saying this but uh, i just don't know i mean maybe it's a defeatist attitude I, I hope and pray god will bring another revival like the great awakening and transformed lives and transform individuals and bring them to the place where they need to be but it, it, unless something drastically changes, I don't know what type of impact the American church is going to have moving forward. Um, it, it, it seems like things are getting worse instead of getting better. Now, those who have the uh, a liberal agenda would say, well, they're getting better. But here's the problem. Statistics are showing that people who drop young people who drop out of church— and here's here's where the rubber meets the road. Young people who drop out of church when going to college are those within mainstream denominations, i.e., liberal denominations that do not take biblical uh, the, the the biblical authority seriously. They get to college, they sow their wild oats. Most of them leave the church. Many of whom do not return. However, in evangelical churches, churches that, that uh, believe in the gospel message, that actively advocate the gospel message, in the, uh, churches that believe in the authority of Scripture, number one, the studies show that the young people who go to college are not as quickly, they do not quickly drop off from church as much as those who go to mainstream churches or mainline denominations. But it also notes that the individuals, even if they were to, they do come back, it seems, if they were brought up in, in evangelical churches. And that's quite interesting. 
that's an interesting statistic. So if the church becomes more mainstream and more and more liberal, and we have students going off to college, dropping off from mainline denominations, from more liberal churches, then what does that say about the future generation of the church? I still think we have a problem if we allow ourselves to um, lose the authority of Scripture and gravitate in an area that... Um, That, that doesn't hold to the convictions uh, that Jesus is a human being. I mean, religion can be very weird. In fact, I was reading a book where Robert, uh, was it Robert or Richard Price? Hold on just a second. Let me get grab this book. It's uh, Five Views on the Historical Jesus. And, um, yeah, Robert Price he he does Jesus was a real person. Now this goes against the, the the this goes against scholarship all across the board, and he, and he doesn't teach anywhere. He's a part of this institute, the skeptical institute. But the interesting thing is is that he goes to he goes to church and he he actually goes to church. <laughs> Oddly enough, he doesn't believe in Jesus, but he goes to church and he partakes of communion and he partakes of the elements and celebrates the Christian holidays. And religion can be a very weird thing. Okay, but religion's not what saves us. A relationship with Christ is. So again, you know, that's just my little two cents for what it's worth. Um, but looking forward, and here's here's part of the reason why I mentioned this on this podcast. I believe there are six ways that our prayers might be hindered. I wrote an article for uh, our church, and I, I may even write this out as an article for the website. Just haven't, you know, like I said, I'm in the midst of some big projects, so I may be a little delayed in getting that out. But the scripture addresses six ways that that six areas where that may impede our prayers. If we don't have as strong of a prayer life as we think we should, it may be attributed to one of these six problems. One is self-centeredness. Both John and James note how selfish motives may impede a person's prayer life. John says in 1 John 5:14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, now note that, that if we ask anything according to God's will, asking that God's will would be done, he hears us. But if we ask just out of a mere selfish ambition, selfish uh, self-centeredness, then he may not hear those prayers. Well, he hears them, but he may not pay attention to them. I think that's what it means. God hears and sees everything, but... But he may not pay close attention to those such prayers. We must pray according to the will of in, in the accordance to the will of God. That's what we find even with uh, the prayer of Jesus. Jesus says, "Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven." Bill Mount says that uh, that phrase indicates that the, that Jesus is praying that as the the will of the Father is in heaven, may it be implemented. On earth, through him, through individuals, that's the prayer. Praying according to the will of God. So our prayers to win the lottery, that may not be a God-centered, that may not be a God-centered uh, prayer. But the opposite is true. If we ask for something being motivated by selfish desires, God may not answer. James says in James 4.3, You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So the question is, are our prayers God-centered 
or self-centered. And it may be that the reason we don't feel like we have a strong prayer life may be because our prayers are more self-motivated than God-motivated or God-centered. Number two, we see not only self-centered prayer may, be, uh, hind- may hinder our prayer lives, but rejecting divine truth is another way that we may have our prayers hindered. Solomon says in, in Proverbs 28.9, Anyone who turns his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer is detestable. If we reject biblical truth, if we reject the truths of Scripture, if we reject the, the things of Scripture, then, then why should anyone expect to hear from God or why should anyone expect for God to hear them? Why should God bless us if we turn on the truth of His Word, particularly the truths of salvation, Christ's exclusivity to the Father, uh, and many of the, of, the, of the essential truths of Scripture? Why would God bless us? And this, this goes along with the previous commentary. We ask God to bless our churches. We ask God to bless our nation. We ask God to step in and intervene and bring a revival. But why in the world should God do these things if we continuously turn our backs upon Him? He's not obligated to do this for us. I mean, the self-existence of God is such that, that He depends on nothing. He requires nothing. He's self-existent as He is. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need air to breathe. He doesn't need food to eat. He doesn't need water to drink. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need anything. Yet God, God needs nothing. Yet we need God. So why should God I mean, I mean, I know this goes against the grain of uh, individuals who, who think that the world owes them something. And we have this type of ideology that has influenced many people. Many people walk this earth thinking that someone or something owes them something. They even think that God owes them something. God, here's a, here's a revelatory truth I, I hope you hear. God owes you nothing. God owes me nothing. We owe God everything. And I'm not talking about you uh, owing your church this or that. I'm talking about God because God is much bigger than, than a local church. God is much bigger than a, than a denomination. God is much bigger than a nation. We need God. Why should God bless us? If we continually turn our backs to Him and we reject the truths that He's given us and we say just as Adam and Eve did at the Garden of Eden uh, that we, we, we're going to choose, we're going to listen to the serpent and go our own ways and, and instead of going down the path that God has for us, why should God bless that? He shouldn't. Or He's at least not obligated to. I mean, the fact that God has had grace and mercy on us as He has is just remarkable. And I'm speaking to myself more than I am anyone else when I say these things. Number three, we see that our prayers may be hindered by having unforgiving hearts. Jesus emphasizes great emphasis or places great emphasis on forgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you of your wrongdoing. Jesus also notes that when you give a gift at the altar of God, 
Go and make things right so that God will accept your gift. God will not bless an unforgiving heart. And furthermore, Jesus says that if you refuse to forgive, the Father in heaven will refuse to forgive you. Now, I've seen all kinds of theological gymnastics done around that verse, but I think it's pretty clear cut. If we refuse to show mercy and grace upon other individuals, and we refuse to show forgiveness, God will not forgive us. God's not obligated to, and He says He won't. That's a very scary thing to think about, folks, because in many, many places, in many, many churches all across the nation, there are people sitting in the pews who have held grudges for 30, 40, 50 plus years and won't let it go, and they think that their hearts are right with God. How can that be the case? Jesus says, That if we don't forgive, the Father won't forgive us. Now, that doesn't mean when you forgive someone, that doesn't mean you you become a doormat. That That doesn't mean that at all. Jesus was no doormat. Meekness does not mean weakness, folks. That does not mean that at all. And and forgiveness doesn't mean that you keep putting yourselves in circumstances where you're going to get hurt over and over and over again. Okay? Sometimes God may place us in, in search, search, uh, I can't talk, circumstances where we may have to show forth His truths. Yeah, that may happen, but I'm just simply trying to say this. Uh, you don't have to be a doormat, but at the same time, if you harbor resentment, you harbor grudges, folks, you've got to let it go because Christ has forgiven you. Because God has forgiven you, you've got to let it go as well. And that's why we are so burdened. That's why our hearts have become so hardened in America. And that's why in so many places our prayers are not being heard because we're harboring resentment and hatred towards fellow believers, towards unbelievers. We're harboring hatred towards one another, and God is not going to bless that. Now, before we start pointing fingers at someone else, We need to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, is there someone that I have not forgiven? If your prayers are not being heard, it's not going to have anything to do with another person's unforgiving heart. It's going to have to do with your own. If you want to have a strong prayer life, you've got to let go of the things and give it over to God. Let go of the pains of yesteryear. Give it over to God. Go and make things right. Absolutely. But give it over to God. Number four, bringing discord will hinder your prayers. Husbands are commanded by Peter in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Meaning that if you abuse your wives, pastors, you abuse women, uh, deacons, you abuse women, SBC, the same thing goes for you, same thing goes to any other denomination, any other church out there, I- any other leader out there, any other volunteer out there, if you are bringing dishonor towards another person and causing discord, your prayers w- w- will will be hindered, is what the text says. Even of the seven things that God detests, Proverbs 6.18 says, A heart that plots wickedness is one of them. God is not going to bless you if you are seeking to bring discord and disruption to other people. There are some people out there today. Listen, I used to work with a guy years ago. 
I used to work with a guy years ago who loved nothing more than to cause problems on the shift where we worked. He would try nothing. He would try all the time to stir up some type of controversy and some type of drama. But let me tell you this. You can't say your heart's right with God and continue to do that. You can't bring discord. You can't dis- bring disruption. You can't bring disunity and think that you're going to be blessed by God. Now, sometimes, yeah, when standing for the truth, we may bring some issues. Jesus standing for the truth. Jesus says he brought a sword. Absolutely. But he was stand- He was doing the Father's will. I get that. You can you can make a case for, for if you're a Protestant, you can make a case for Martin Luther, so on and so forth. But but generally speaking, nine times out of ten, that's not the case. Nine times out of ten, disunity is brought for personal preference. Disunity is brought for certain issues like that. I, in fact, I heard of a church and and uh, a friend of mine told me about a church and I'm not sure where it is. I wouldn't even mention it if I knew. But there was a church somewhere in the mountains of North Carolina that split over the style of toilet paper that was being used. Friends, God's not going to bless that. He's not going to bless that whatsoever. So folks, if your prayers don't have the power that it once did, ask yourselves, am I bringing disunity? Am I bringing, bringing disharmony? Am I am I am I bringing chaos? God is a God of order, not a chaos. And so these are the things we have, must ask ourselves. Number five, we see unconfessed sin. The psalmist says, "If I had been aware of the malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened." In Psalm sixty six eighteen, God will not accept our prayers and worship if we have unconfessed sin in our lives. God will convict us if we go astray. Absolutely. But ignoring and continually to engage in the sinful practice will most certainly hinder a person's prayer life. So again, I'm not saying that if you sin, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that at all, because Lord knows I'm the chief of sinners, as Paul says about himself. I'm just saying if you have sin in your life, and you have it unconfessed, and you have unrepentant sin in your life, and you don't bring it to God, then quite frankly, God's not going to bless your prayer life. Uh, the Lord, as the Bible says here, the psalmist says, would not listen to the prayer. And then lastly, doubt. Now listen, I've spoken quite a bit about my own personal doubts. I know that we have doubts, and we can't become so super spiritual to say that we don't ever have doubts, because that would be dishonest, I think. But when we ask God something, we need to not doubt his ability to answer that prayer. Otherwise, that may hinder our prayers. James says in James 1, 6-7, But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Doubts are going to come. But if we ask God for something and don't believe in God's ability to answer our petitions, then the prayer becomes ineffective. That's why apologetics is so important. There is a spiritual aspect to apologetics that I think is often neglected. I can't talk. I don't know what's wrong with me. That's often neglected. It strengthens our faith and gives us a better foundation for trusting God's power to meet any need. I pray that as we get ready this uh, this March coming up, we're just a few scant days away from March, 
a few weeks away from spring. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to spring, blooming flowers, budding trees, warmer weather, and hopefully a little bit drier than what it's been. It's been wet down here in the Carolinas. But as we approach March, we look towards the season of Lent. We look towards the time where we, um, the 40 days ahead of Easter, where we devote ourselves uh, to the Lord. Some, some people will make a sacrifice of some sort during that time and uh, do away with some aspect of, of something in their life. Uh, and that may be the case. That may be something that uh, that you want to do yourself. You may come from a, a church tradition that does that, or you may not. But as we approach Easter season, I think I, I think the Lenten season is a good time of reflection for us if we'll do it. To reflect upon the problems of our churches all across the nation. I'm not singling out any one particular church or any, any groups of churches. I'm looking at the American church as a whole. We have a problem. And it's getting worse instead of getting better. And the only way, the only way I think we can see revival, I think it's possible for revival to come, but I think that the only way we're going to see it in our churches, in our lives, in our denominations, is if we get on our knees and we pour out our hearts before God, we ask, we confess our sins, we, we ask God to eliminate those things in our lives that are hindering our walk with Him, and we turn our faces to Him, trusting and believing that He can and will bring a revival. And folks, I believe and trust that He can. Well, I did it again. I said it wouldn't be a long podcast, and here it is, 30 minutes. But I, I just want to have a word of prayer with you today before I close out this podcast. And I want to earnestly ask you to join me in praying for revival. I, I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist. I don't care what denomination you are. If you're Anglican, Presbyterian, I don't care. We need to come together as the church, united and confess these sins, get rid of these problems that we have, and turn to the Lord asking for forgiveness. Yeah, we have a lot of things that are dividing us, but we need to focus on the essentials. So would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we come to you realizing today that we are a broken people. We realize that we have many things in our lives, we have many things in our churches, we have many things in our denominations. We have many issues that we need to fix. We need to correct. We have many individuals, 700 in the Southern Baptist Convention, who, who claim to have been abused. And Lord, even if a portion of those claims are true, Lord, it is horrible. And you know the truth. I know the story that was brought in the Houston Chronicle of a young girl, age 14, who killed herself after being abused in a choir room. I believe I'm remembering right. But, I, but, but she was abused in a choir room and killed herself a week later. Yet so many times we want to turn away and look away and pretend like it doesn't exist. Lord, help us. Convict us of our wrongdoings. Help us to unite together on the essential truths that make us the church, that make us believers, that make us your children. And Lord, bring a revival to this land. Because if you don't, Lord, only you know the horrible things that may come. Only you know the, 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 the number of churches that will end up closing their doors. Only you know the praises that will not be sung 
Only you know, and, and maybe and maybe that's because you're rejecting some of the worship because of because of our hardened hearts. But Lord, I just pray that you would soften hearts across this land, that you would give us eyes to truly see your truths, ears to truly listen, not be so concentrated on saying something, but give us ears to listen more than we speak, hearts to absorb more than we give out. Not necessarily in the good things, but but on, you know, as far as opinions and things of this nature, that we would, Lord, be individuals, your ambassadors, that we need to be to bring forth something great in your church and something great in your land. Because, Lord, we can't do it by ourselves. We can only do it through you. That you would give us a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit, that you would help us, guide us, direct us, bless over us, and use us as you will fresh and renewed to direct our steps to empower us to do your work and help us to be a blessing to others we ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Amen Amen Well friends this is Brian Chilton and this has been the Bellator Christie Podcast we pray that God continues to bless over you and keep you this week And we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristie.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of BellatorChristie.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit BellatorChristie.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Crucified.